0: Can you tell me that your other podcast that you do the editor like sent you a just a plug-in clip of a bong rip in case you needed it
1: yes um because on the patreon episodes that we do for cinematary the other podcast i do we've started doing this thing called film theory and chill once a month mm. where in the first half we like read a piece of film theory and discuss it and kind of walk through it page by page and then in the second half we just have a chill sesh and talk about things not related to film and they let me hit the bong on mic so good old zach dennis host of that podcast the main host and coordinator of it um he just like sent me a way file of the bong rip for when i am not on that podcast they have started dropping that um oh in my absence, so I guess I do, you know.
0: Flying the missing bong formation.
1: I don't have to, you know, <laughs> um, actually rip it. You know, if I ever need to, like, record over the holidays at my parents' house, I can just press the button. Gotcha. Yeah. So this is our third episode, and but our second recording date because the mm. first two episodes, if you listen to them, you know that we recorded
0: them back to back. Is a marathon pod session.
1: It really was, for better and worse. You know, I'm happy with how it turned out, but I do feel mm-hmm. like Jim and I, man, might have benefited from a little, I don't know, like a little more momentum. I don't know. We were getting worn out, I think, by that point. But I had fun and enjoyed it, and I. it's been a nice response so far, I think. Uh, there have been people sending messages and stuff and letting us know that they like it. Um, I know I've heard nice things about it. Um, yeah, I've gotten Seth, a couple what of compliments has the too. Been, yeah.
0: Sorry, I interrupted your asking with the answer, but <laughs> you know, I had a couple compliments and everything uh, too. Some people reached out, said they, they liked the pod. I think I still have some followers from when I did a podcast like years ago that have asked me about doing another podcast. So they were just, you know, surprise drop. Banging New at Seth the doors, podcast. waiting for that, that
1: Seth Shepard content, that sweet, yeah. sweet Seth content. Um, and with that, I we decided that, you know, you were on the first two episodes, and basically you are now officially the co-host.
0: Whoa. One half of the pod. I moved from a friend of the pod to... Uh, the pod. The, I don't know. I just to the pod, yeah.
1: So I am reaching my sword through the microphone and dubbing you eventually we're gonna get some other guests in here but Mm -hmm. it's doing I as i know that you know because the last podcast you did was sort of your baby and your ship i think that you captained yeah you know that it's like tough doing it by yourself basically and trying to find new guests every time
0: like organizer editor publisher publicist host researcher playing the game, watching the movie, all that stuff. It's a lot of a lot of hats to wear, juggle. I was
1: like, I initially maybe had some ambitions of this being a weekly thing, but quickly realized that is not going to happen. At least at this time. I don't know, maybe in some far off date when we get a nice cushy Patreon fund going or something, but...
0: Or we land an exclusive platform spot on, like, Stitcher, whatever those, like, premium, oh, Spotify, whenever you get hired by Spotify. Or did they gut their whole podcast division, actually?
1: No, it's, they've been really pushing it, I feel like.
0: I thought they were just pushing it as, like, an open platform and not, like, a premium original podcast platform.
1: I think they do, because I feel like I, for a while, I was seeing, like, ads in the subway for Lena Dunham's podcast and, like amy schumer's podcast and gotcha. joe budden's podcast that they got and i feel like i haven't seeing this as much but i do feel like i've still seen them a little bit gotcha. i don't know but they have been pushing podcasts so much
0: yeah i guess i'm maybe not the expert on it because i only listened to one that microphone check podcast that was just like yeah. interviews that npr did a long time ago and then the journalists just like got contracted by spotify but they haven't made something in like two years
1: Well, now it's like on my For You custom homepage. It keeps telling me, listen to podcasts. And the only two podcasts it will tell me to listen to, because these are the only two podcasts that I've actually listened to on Spotify, are like Jacobin Radio. I listened to like half an episode of the Jacobin podcast once. Mm -hmm. And then my own podcast. Like now this podcast I'm getting reminders about. It's really interesting actually like looking at the analytics for spotify because apple itunes podcasts does not give you user data or any kind of useful information about your listenership but spotify does and in addition to like an age and gender and country breakdown it will tell you like the most recently listened to artists that your your audience is listening
0: to who's your audience's top artist i guess my audience as well now but
1: I mean, like, it's not really... Su- I need to pull it up now, but um, the last I checked, it was, like, Kanye and Big Thief. And I think Angel Olsen was on there, too. Let's see, let's see. I'm pulling this bad boy up.
0: It seems like people who read you in Pitchfork and listen to the Pitchfork artists. Yeah. To podcast. Yeah. But also, I get those are just kind of, like, general, like, overall... Shared artists,
1: yeah. Right now, it's Earl Sweatshirt, Kanye, FKA Twigs, Danny Brown, and Denzel Curry. So, I guess it's just like people on Twitter mm-hmm. at this point. So, that's that's all I have to say about that, really. Um, I would also, before we wrap up talking about whatever we're talking about right now, I would like to say. Just a quick apology for the audio quality on my end on the first episode. It wasn't I don't think it was as much of an issue on the second episode. I think it was still a little bit of an issue, but mm. I got this brand new nice fancy microphone to become a real deal big boy podcaster with. Yeah. And in classic stoner fashion, I did not change the input over on my computer.
0: Mm. Technical difficulties
1: exactly i didn't even know what the issue was i just was like what the fuck is this like inadvertent asmr trigger this scratchy sound on my voice and lo and behold a listener pointed out to us that it was sounded like a laptop microphone Mm. and my laptop has been through shit so of course my microphone sounds like shit um so hopefully now that will i think the input is corrected now and hopefully that will not be an issue um for today's episode.
0: Nice. So today we were talking about in uh, looking for, for another episode to do. We've been talking for a while to do one kind of about theme parks a little bit.
1: Yeah. Theme park cinema.
0: Yeah. Martin Scorsese, the the filmmaker, the hot take, right? The New York times columnist, some writer named Martin Scorsese,
1: this guy, what does he know?
0: Yeah. But he just said that, uh, the marvel movies are are like theme parks so then we were talking and just kind of thinking about what a theme park would actually i don't know what uh movies like about theme parks yeah are even like uh so we we're just kind of unpacking maybe what what theme park cinema might be and and maybe a bigger context for that but that turned into maybe a, a bit more than we thought it would in terms of preparation
1: i feel like from what we've been talking about i feel like it will hopefully be our next episode Mm-hmm. But just involved a little more intensive research and watching of just some fucking movies. You yeah. know, you've watched The Haunted Mansion now yeah. and Tomorrowland. I was and... going to
0: watch Towering Inferno, but that's like a two and a half hour long movie.
1: Yeah, I know that's the dilemma I've been coming up against with this topic. Because most everything that I have my eye on is like two hours plus. Like I've mm-hmm. been meaning to watch Water Worlds. Um, and that's, you know, like 135 minutes and i just have not been wanting to, to devote that kind of time <laughs> to one yeah. world right now.
0: So we decided that, I mean, it's been a minute since we recorded a podcast, published one. Uh, so we figured we'd just kind of find something a little bit more bite-sized. So we landed on, on the, the new internet I don't I think everybody's like come around on a tour maybe they don't like it anymore but baby Yoda
1: yeah it, it it was interesting I feel like watching I don't know I don't feel like the tide has completely turned totally negative mm-hmm. but I do feel like maybe it's just reached a natural saturation point but yeah. it is was surprising to me like how, people did seem to genuinely enjoy baby Yoda for like long a little bit longer than I would have expected.
0: I'm interested though, so baby Yoda for those who don't know or those who are off Twitter and somehow found this podcast or who don't watch Disney Plus. Or yeah, don't watch Disney Plus, not Star Wars people, all understandable, but there's a baby version of Yoda in this new show they've put out on Disney Plus called The Mandalorian. And I'm actually interested to see if maybe people get sick of baby Yoda and then get sick of The Mandalorian since the show is on like a weekly release schedule. Instead of an all at one content dump like most streaming shows have been for a long time, I mean, maybe week by week you'll just get fresh new gifs of Baby Yoda, fresh images, and people will find new memes for it or if they'll just stop watching the show because they're so sick of Baby Yoda.
1: Yeah, it's been just the, I think, like the big thing on Twitter in the past week, week and a half that just is just like generating all kinds of, you know, reaction gifts and and all all that. Basically, I mean, I think it originally just generated a lot of interest because within the Star Wars universe, not to get all nerd alert on you, but it's it's really kind of I don't know, honestly, I thought it was a little bit shocking when I heard that that was the twist at the end of the first episode of The Mandalorian, which I have not watched, but I don't know if I'm going to watch it.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I had a week of Disney Plus to try out, and then uh, my brother didn't pay for it, so. <laughs> I guess I could burn my own weak trial on my own account, but then, you know, you're putting yourself in another database.
1: So basically, within the Star Wars universe, Yoda has, you know, existed in sort of a class of his own. When it came to the expanded universe, you know, the various books and video games and comics that exist in relation to Star Wars, all the spinoff intellectual property that it's created. Mm-hmm. Um, The one really kind of hard and fast continuity rule that Lucas enforced was that none of the authors or creators could reveal anything about Yoda's species or his origin. You know, there could not be another Yoda like being. Obviously, in the prequels, that changes because there's this other Jedi Master, Yaddle, the female Yoda. basically Mm -hmm. he's not really a major character but he's just there uh
0: there's also lego yoda
1: yeah from the, (laughs) the lego star wars franchise of games who i guess yeah i mean basically is his own character so yoda species has never been named it seems like it will maybe be named in this series um you know so some people are think that The Yoda species is the Wills, which was like the original name of Star Wars was the Journal of the Wills. And the Wills were basically like this Jedi species that sort of originated the Force or something like that. So Baby Yoda is like not actually Yoda, but just another of his species. I guess the Mandalorian takes place after Return of the Jedi. The baby, though, is actually 50 years old because the species... Ages so slowly. You know, Yoda is 900 years old when he dies. Whoa. So that's just a little fucking nerd context on Yoda because there has been some, I've noticed a little bit of confusion.
0: You think there's a disinformation campaign?
1: There really is. People saying that, no, this is actually Yoda in baby form. Maybe it's some Mm -hmm. like crazy J.J. Abrams Star Trek time loop where it really is baby Yoda brought forward in time. It was a little shocking because I was like, whoa, you know, like Lucas would never reveal this. And so Disney is just, you know, doing this real hearts and minds campaign, trying to get everybody on board with their new streaming service with the cutest fucking thing imaginable.
0: I didn't know that it was a end of the first episode reveal thing.
1: Initially, I so saw the way people talk about it was like a plot twist of like, oh, the shocking reveal at the end of The Mandalorian. Because I guess like, it gets to the end of the episode, you know, he's been searching this bounty hunter has been searching for his bounty, and you don't know what it is. And then it's revealed at the end that it's this baby Yoda <laughs> that I guess I gotcha. is like they're doing scientific tests on or something.
0: Yeah.
1: Werner Herzog is in The Mandalorian, and there's this whole kind of discourse about like an interview he did where he said that baby Yoda made him cry because it was so like something Werner Herzog would say about like n- nature
0: is he crying in a good way or like a an upset way
1: no and a like this thing it moved me it touched me so deeply with its yeah. manufactured adorability so i don't know it's like become this very popular online thing but there's been this other side to it where very briefly it seems like they've been returned according to an article that i just found from like gizmodo the gifts yeah disney has been removing the gifts that people have been loving of big yoda they've been taking them down from giphy and twitter i don't know i think this kind of goes along with like the general mo of the star wars universe now maybe it's the way star wars always was but
0: what i mean absolute control until maybe it's more profitable to let it let it out of your hands a minute
1: that but also just this like sliding arc of like i don't know the word for it yet maybe i don't know maybe we'll find a word but i guess they're just like baby you know like the oh, force awakens yeah. introduced to bb8 which mm-hmm. is kind of like the super r2d2 because r2d2 is already this like people love him because he's cute he squeaks and
0: he's like sassy you know
1: exactly makes these chirping noises and you always think he's like cussing but you don't hear the cuss yeah. words so it's well, funny. that's why
0: they're always bleeped out exactly
1: um but then bb-8 just like literalizes that you know like r2d2 is cute and you want to pat him on the head but he's still kind of seemingly an adult i think in the way that people think about the character yeah
0: bb-8 is very like round really yeah. shiny eyeball but also more expressive in terms of like having like in the first movie that disney made isn't there like a thumbs up thing yeah BB-8 yeah it yeah, yeah, yeah. does
1: with like a lighter yeah i mean literally in the name you know baby eight yeah and i think uh, you know so baby yoda is like i don't know yoda is already a diminutive character a sort of like in the original movies puppeted by frank oz of the Mm -hmm. muppets so he's a muppet even though he's an old man in the original movies there's still this sort of cute factor
0: he's very tiny gets carried around in a backpack
1: and then they make the, the Yoda has backpack. the
0: very remixed, like grammar, how he puts words together. Wait, Yoda backpack.
1: In the like late 2000s, when I was really to Star Wars, the mid 2000s.
0: And also when you were like in school and shopping for backpacks on the regular.
1: Yeah, but they had these like cute Star Wars backpacks where it was like, chewbacca basically hugging your back and they had a like yoda one (laughs) that was hugging your back essentially so you would be like luke in empire strikes back running around the swamps of dagobah with this dude on uh, your back on your back i think you know it's like kind of goes along with a general i don't know maybe something in the air just with babies like
0: the baby Uh, uh baby fever in Hollywood.
1: Perhaps. I think so. I mean, I think there are some different examples of this that we were thinking of.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's plenty of like cute relief stand-ins and a bunch of like kids movies and family movies in general. But I mean, like Olaf is a pretty, pretty big one. That yeah. It's kind of everywhere. A lot of like those type of movies have that. There was the new Men in Black that I never saw, but I saw the trailer like so many times. They just put it on everything. And there's this, we're talking about Kumail Nanjiani, being in something you're watching before we recorded he like plays this little like tiny alien guy with a pitch shifted voice and at the end of the trailer i remember they had like the worst joke where he says like what the in reaction to like the earth splitting in half with this big weapon they use and then like the trailer just cuts and you don't get to hear him curse but it sounds like he's about to curse and that's that's really funny for some children
1: reason. children cursing i think that's a theme maybe of this episode is like the children cursing of curse words in the mouths of babes
0: yeah like that early youtube video of that kid saying he's trying to say fire truck but he says fire fuck do you remember that?
1: <laughs> yes
0: it's like i mean that. it's
1: like the the charlie bit my finger extended universe <laughs> but you've also got In the Disney family, you've got baby Groot, which is kind of the same thing as like, you don't know T 2 where Groot is already, you know, he just says, I am Groot. And you have this just like all sort of reaction to this character. And then baby Mm -hmm. Groot just like brings out that inner baby in the character already. And like, makes it, I don't know, makes it into basically a Funko Pop of a character.
0: Basically. And it's really funny when you hear like Vin Diesel's like pitch shifted really gravelly but then like lifted up to be like kind of a higher register voice say i'm groot so we have baby groot there's a it's weird once you start leaving the disney family though because you start getting like the boss baby but it also goes back to like that weird taboo of like just babies doing adult stuff but instead of like cursing it's like being somebody's manager at a job
1: i mean that's like what the real fucking horror of that movie is is for those who haven't seen The Boss Baby, there's this, which have, I can't remember. Have you seen The Boss Baby?
0: No, it's like my Netflix avatar, but I, <laughs> I ended up not watching it. I watched Despicable Me 3 instead as like the the kids movie I was watching for this.
1: I was thinking about rewatching The Boss Baby before we did this, but I didn't end up doing it. But I saw it in theaters when it came out.
0: Yeah, I just remember you like screaming about like like a bunch of butts in that movie.
1: Yeah, I was on a I was on a I took a big old edible and um went down with friend of the podcast, um, John Michael, who probably listeners to the podcast know from Twitter. Um is his handle still at your village idiot? That's right, yeah. I believe so. Formerly Mr. Daddy Man PhD. We saw that movie together and a professional Twitter user. Yes, the meme industrial complex, (laughs) as it were. Um (laughs) But that movie, like, there are, A, a lot of butts, Like, a weird emphasis on baby's bottoms, on baby powder being put onto baby's bottoms, diapers being put on mm-hmm. baby's bottoms, just the swaddling of the bottoms of babes.
0: Lots of riffs about, like, soft as a baby's bottom.
1: Exactly. That kind of, just all of that baby humor. Just
0: Wait, so it has, but does it go over to, like diaper jokes or is it just butt jokes
1: No there are diaper jokes as well Okay um I cannot I could not tell you a specific diaper joke I would That's fine
0: it's I was just wondering button. if it like goes beyond just like soft and like baby powder and stuff There are
1: a lot of pacifier jokes
0: Does the boss baby ever put the pacifier in a non-baby mouth
1: Yes there's That's a key, classic there's a, shit right there There's a key sequence in which the boss baby's older brother you know, who's discovered the boss baby can talk, obviously, because the boss baby wears a fucking suit. It's not a normal baby. So he's like, oh, Well, I want to know how babies are made. I want to know what happens. And so the boss baby hands him a pacifier and says, Okay, if you want to find out, you have to suck on this. And it reminds me of this episode of Nathan for You, where Nathan is trying to market this toy that no child wants by telling children that if they don't buy the toy, that they're babies. So he's just like bullying kids into being like, oh, well, like if you don't have this, you're a baby. So like, obviously you're a baby. And then they make their parents buy it. Um, The the kid is, the older brother is like, no, I'm not a baby. I don't want to put a pacifier in my mouth. And the boss baby, aka Alec Baldwin, is like, Mm. suck it. And the older brother's like, no, you suck it. The boss baby's like, suck it. And they just keep screaming, suck it, back and forth until finally the boss baby shoves it in his brother's mouth. And they go on this mad peyote trip together.
0: Did he drug the pacifier?
1: Uh, Seemingly, that's what this movie is implying. And they go on this trip to the place where babies are made, in the factory where babies are made. When the baby's about to pop out, they tickle its bottom. And if the baby laughs... They check it off, give it a diaper. It's a normal baby. It gets to become a human being eventually. But if they tickle the baby's bottom and it doesn't laugh, it has no sense of humor, and then it is sentenced into a seeming eternal lifetime in the managerial class as a boss baby, which I I assume, based on what the movie kind of says, because this is a fucking baby with Alec Baldwin's voice, that it's not just a boss forever but a, a baby forever and it will like never rise beyond that or age or anything which is like a deeply horrifying idea
0: you're like at both ends not both ends of the age spectrum but both ends of like the i mean being an adult and working for long enough that you become like the the boss but you're still a baby
1: <clears throat> yeah i mean that's it's you know maybe if you take it to it for this extent it's like capitalism just makes us all into infants you know because we can't ever really do anything for ourselves because we're just dependent on the bosses. I don't know. Getting real chapo trap house in here. Um, but I, I don't know. That movie does for me is very useful because it's kind of like as we were listing like just different sort of babies, you know, mm-hmm. using that term broadly just refer to like any cute creature in a movie. There's a lot of like underlying horror to these.
0: Well, actually, I mean, while we're on Boss Baby, there's another place this pops up with another baby, Uh, the rapper, illustrious rapper Da Baby has a series of mixtapes called Baby Talk that have like images of the Boss Baby on them that are then edited to be a mixtape cover. But
1: there is like the whole trend of baby rappers right now. I mean, you have Lil Baby and Sada Baby from Detroit, who I really like. And then uh just this past week I was browsing uh ye old Pitchfork, one of my employers, Whoa. and noticed a review for this new album called Baby Goat by the rapper YNWB Slime, who is the twelve year old younger brother of the rapper YNW Melly, who blew up Whoa. recently yeah. after uh getting incarcerated for a double homicide, uh, his song Murder on My Mind blew up. So this is his younger mm-hmm. brother, and the album cover features the little kid holding a baby goat, and it's really fucking cute. But Damn. it's like the whole thing with any kid rapper is this like, okay, they're a little kid, but they're saying like kind of some fucked up shit. Um,
0: yeah. You know, What's an- like, another one is like Lil Reek.
1: Yeah, or like Matt Ox, <laughs> or uh, a, a, a former friend of mine. We don't have to go into this, but uh, Little Shark. Shout out to Little Shark, of the mm-hmm. great Little Shark Space Ghost Perp Feud of 2014. I don't know. You know, there's just baby fever right now. Babies in the air. I mean, yeah. Also, another thing, I am baby. <laughs> another
0: meme. Oh, yeah. That was a little while back. I am baby. Are people allowed to say that anymore without just being like told they're not funny? I don't know if it's at the thing where people are like, that was months ago, man.
1: Well, I feel like I've still been making I am baby jokes, but it's just because it's now like a grown inducing thing at this point. Oh, it's come around. I think it is
0: interesting that it's it's funny to say it again.
1: Yeah, it's you know, it is the classic meme cycle where like it all just comes back eventually as a like sincere thing. Like you start saying it ironically and then you just keep saying it out of habit yeah
0: and then next thing you know you're planking (laughs) in 2020
1: uh, yeah (laughs) but i don't know it's like there's a dual the sharing of images of baby yoda and like the the real focus intensity on babyness but also a self-identification even if it's a kind of joking mocking thing about like not being an adult you know not adulting
0: oh this is Um, the the hard clash back against Hashtag adulting.
1: Yeah, I mean, kind of. I think I am baby is a little bit like it's just yeah. a joking self-identification with being a baby.
0: Mm-hmm. Being very cute, very harmless and wholesome. Yeah, and
1: not having like any not responsibilities. I know, saying, I'm kind of just like refusing the world a little bit, like because babies don't have any responsibilities.
0: One thing that's kind of funny, though, about Baby Yoda and Baby Groot and stuff like that, I mean, you said they were kind of, like, built like Funko Pops. I mean, Baby Yoda looks just like like a Funko Pop to the point that I feel like it was kind of designed to be, like, pointed at either a Funko Pop or some, like, Disney version. The black eyes. Well, the super big, like, beady black eyes. The pretty, like, square head. It reminds me of, like when james cameron was making avatar and then they were making the game for avatar at the same time and they would share assets back and forth between mm-hmm. the game studio and i think like lightroom i don't remember which graphics house worked on mm-hmm. the avatar movie but they would them and ubisoft would swap assets back and forth if they designed something they i thought think it was cool to be put the uh, movie
1: i think it was weta digital maybe gotcha i was literally thinking about that when you were before you mentioned avatar just right then because you know a decade ago when that movie came out people were talking about the disney eyes of the navi and how mm-hmm. like that was a, almost an emotionally manipul- manipulative character design because you would just like automatically feel this sort of adorable pity and sympathy for these characters yeah because they had the eyes of like bambi and now we have funko Pop eyes.
0: oh god there was also i remember like when bioshock infinite that game came out like six years ago it feels like a much longer time because it's Mm. kind of been like talked to death when that game was originally coming out the non-escort character who like you're escorting but you're not responsible for she just like gives you stuff um people compared her to like disney princess design which kind of speaks to some of the bigger criticisms of the game but the big eyes kind of fluid movement and stuff like that being this thing that's supposed to draw some some emotional response and responsibility out of you
1: yeah, and I think with that, you know, we talk about the ways that store layout or something manipulates consumer choices and where things are placed on a shelf. And it feels almost a little bit like a similar thing where the through line with a lot of these like baby versions of movie creatures that we've been talking about is there's like a one-to-one kind of relationship between the babyfication of a character and its merchandising potential. Like when you make something a baby... The ability to sell it as a doll just like multiplies kind of in- infinitely. The design of Baby Yoda just like makes it so much m- more natural to like want to own that thing as a backpack or as a Funko Pop. Yeah. Or
0: and that's not like whatever. Totally. Wait, a what?
1: A plush doll or whatever. Okay,
0: you know? I thought you said flesh, and I. Oh <laughs> no.
1: no he owed a flesh yoda a real life yoda in your house keep it on a chain
0: but also i mean that's not like the most out of place thing for the star wars franchise like the way the financing ended up working out for the first one was that george lucas wasn't it just that he negotiated to just get royalties off the toy sales and get no actual money for the movie
1: sort of i can't remember exactly but i think it was sort of like that but At the very least, you know, he used all that money to finance and do whatever he wanted with the prequels.
0: Yeah, and then, like, the movie ended up being so successful that, I mean, it became apparent they underproduced the toys, and, like, my dad for Christmas in the 70s got a certificate saying, "You, this is your proof that you will one day own a Star Wars toy. We just don't have enough right now, but here's your certificate that you can bring in whenever we make more of them. Um, So whenever people, like, Maybe get on like a a pedestal or soapbox or something like that about Star Wars and how this is, you know, something like Baby Yoda or just the general like mass production of toys is so, you know, out of character for the Star Wars franchise. I mean, Star Wars kind of created the modern toy merchandising situation or at least opened up a lot of pathways that have led to it. Absolutely. So like I remember in like 2015 when people were like just upset that minions were on everything I mean, a couple years later when they started making Disney Star Wars movies like Yoda was on bananas, BB-8 was on like apples (laughs) and stuff like that in your grocery store. But (laughs) I mean, it's 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 not something that's totally separate from the Star Wars franchise, but maybe something actually kind of caused by it.
1: I mean, I think that like patient zero for this sort of cute archetypal character is E.T. And that movie, you know, Star Wars appears literally as the merchandise There's like the scene where the classic scene where Elliot is showing E.T. all of his Star Wars action figures and like explaining who they are. And then when they take E.T. out on Halloween disguised as a ghost, he like sees a little kid in a Yoda mask and is sort of drawn to it because... Uh, He thinks it's like one of his species or something, or at least some kind of alien relative of his, but it's just a kid in a plastic Yoda mask that his mom bought. So you already see the like appearance of, of Yoda, the great arbiter, arbiter of wisdom, you know, as merchandise.
0: Also ET is a funny comparison point, I guess, because the whole movie is a bit of like a, just like a practice and seeing how, how much empathy you can make people feel or maybe just sympathy, but toward this kind of, like, ugly but lovable creature.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it you know, he has, then that movie, that, like, literal physical link with Elliot, where, as E.T. starts to get sick and die, Elliot also starts to get sick and die, and it, I do really love that movie, but... I totally can see what people, you know, who really criticize Spielberg as a sort of, I don't know, master manipulator of blockbuster cinema. Like, E.T. and a child are literally one and the same. This, like, ugly alien are identified. So, like, you just feel your heart is just wrenched because both of them are, like, dying together. So... E.T. is literally just like equated with a human child and um, you see kind of this trend in the 80s and I feel like a lot of it is a response to Mm E.T.
0: Well, I mean, you have stuff like, yeah, the gremlins and then gremlins too, which is pretty actively engaged with like the merchandising and and manufacturing of a lot of these kind of cute stuff, like the cute aesthetics and toys and stuff. But I mean, more broadly, just kind of with like Reaganite capitalism in the eighties.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, the Hulk Hogan cameo
0: and, Mm -hmm. or the part where like the gremlins kill Leonard Moulton with the VHS (laughs) tape of the first gremlins movie. as like a Garrett.
1: Yeah. It's just like that movie is like this reference a minute, like meta textual nightmare. And it just feels like consumer culture kind (laughs) of caving in on itself or something.
0: Mm hmm. And I guess this relates a little bit to what we were saying earlier about the taboos of babies and cute things acting like adults or, you know, committing violence or cursing or something like that. But there's even a point in the movie, one of the references is to Rambo, I guess, first blood part two, but Gizmo ties a red bandana and shoots like an exploding arrow at some gremlins to kill them at one point.
1: Yeah. And I think the like most extreme version of that kind of character is Chucky of uh, the Child's Play franchise because it is a doll possessed by the soul of a serial killer. So it's just, you know, this supposed to be this friendly animatronic
0: mm-hmm.
1: computer, like, you know, microchip doll who talks yeah. to you, but then he swears and is really horny and gets a lot of like sexual pleasure out of murder
0: yeah but also it's like uh not even like an organically or one that you're led to believe is like this organically cute thing but it's a doll that is manufactured to be this thing that you know kids want to have parents think it's adorable and also it's it was back in the 80s when like teddy ruxpin and a lot of the computerized talking animals and and toys and stuff like that going around so it's just this thing that's manufactured to be you know lovable.
1: Yeah, I mean it feels very much like a response to the Cabbage Patch kids, Craze, or you know, some of the other dolls of that time or characters, you know, like E. T. or Alf even, just like it feels you know, I not to plug my own shit, but I I wrote I wrote an essay about this uh, Mm. this year for the outline. If anybody wants to check out more extensive thoughts on Chucky, but it is the like, just, I guess a nightmare sort of of mass production of like, this thing is manufactured to have an emotional bond with a child, but you let it into your home and you don't really know what it is or how it was made. And that's made very explicit in the remake from this year where, chucky is like i mean it's basically a black mirror episode where chucky can connect to the cloud and connects to all these other devices made by the same multinational corporation and the chucky doll goes haywire because a disgruntled vietnamese sweatshop worker like takes off the programming um i guess parental locks basically that keep chucky from killing and learning to do bad things so i don't know it's like that those movies kind of make apparent that like this thing is cute, but you don't know what forces brought it into the world and i think that you mentioned minions a little bit and i feel like that's a really good example of like cute but there's something underlying weird
0: yeah so i guess the easiest jumping point would be that earlier i mentioned i watched despicable me 3 and that's most notably just the one where the minions go to jail (laughs) (laughs) they get arrested for like jaywalking or something and then they evade the police and go and they stumble into an audition for like a stand-in for one of those like talent singing shows and they end up winning um Mm. i can't remember what song they did in minionese or i think that's the the term for the language they speak it's like a mismatch or a mitch a uh kind of a collision of a bunch of different languages but minions are strange just because they're like kind of just like stupid and these helpless things. They're very blank and projectable. Now, I mean, there's not really any Despicable Me movies or, or the Minions spinoff wasn't as successful to even carry its own f- franchise. But now, I mean, they're just like meme fodder that's very blank and projectable and kind of just able to be put on just about anything. It's not as genuine these days. Now it's more like people like making something that is really bizarre with like mm-hmm. a Minion in it just like, add to the bizarreness. But also, I mean, just, like, in the movies, even the Minions are these very strange things because the Minions film shows them throughout, like, all of time, like, all geologic time of them, like, being around for dinosaurs and stuff, being totally impervious to evolution, even though it shows, like, a non-biblical view of creation and, and existence. You know, the Earth being around for millions of years and the Minions never changing over that time, but the whole time they're on Earth they're just continually just very stupid and they die a lot yeah
1: and it it almost seems like it's just sort of the same minions the same exact minions all through history
0: they like live forever they all have corrective vision (laughs) they like don't reproduce ever they're kind of like asexual but then like they also
1: super horny
0: like chilling in a hot tub with fire hydrants wearing a thong but then also i mean they're just like kind of like stand-ins for just like emojis basically i feel like they kind of got invented in the first place in relation to emojis
1: yeah because the yellowness i mean it's almost like a lego dude too Mm -hmm. i hate that i'm fucking taking it here but it almost is like the minion is like invites this projection of horniness and sexuality upon it because it's this like, it's like I don't know like some kind of fun, it's <laughs> it's like it's like some kind of I don't know like phallic desire some kind of like Lacanian bullshit thing of like you know this desire like sexual desire that like can't that's never fulfilled like you know desire once desire is fulfilled it goes away. But the minions, like, don't have the ability to have sex, seemingly. So they're just, like, horny forever.
0: Yeah. So I was reading this this article from The All, R.I.P. Classic. Rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. But by Brian Feldman. I remember reading this in 2015 and just, like... Oh, yeah. I
1: remember where I was when I read that.
0: Going nuts over it. It's called How Minions Destroyed the Internet, but it kind of, like, unpacks minions as memes and then also just, like, in the movie... But in this thing, he also talks about how, like, they, like, have butts, but then, like, never use the bathroom, never, like, have sex or anything like that. But they have butts. I don't know, but also minions are just this very bizarre thing, because they just, like, took over the world for a minute for these things that kind of stood for nothing. But I guess that makes for, for a great canvas for, like, memes and stuff.
1: Well, it was such an intense saturation, I feel like, because it was both going to Barnes & Noble and seeing... All of the minions merchandise and stuff, and mm-hmm. the, like minions, Angry Birds crossover oh, stuff, yeah. shit, and, and all of that. But then also going online and seeing all of these, like, fucking insane deep fried minion memes or like the classic reba mcintyre instagram 9-11 tribute where it's like a minion with a butterfly yeah. with like the american flag on its wings and it's like never forget and so it was just like everything was just deeply surreal for a minion when like minion mania was at its peak around i guess around in mid 2015 when that article came out
0: yeah i guess this was in the lead up to the minions film there's one to me after this and then it all it all went down
1: but I don't know. It's That's the interesting thing. I, I think that kind of our one idea that we've been talking about is in the minions. And another one starts to emerge, I think, in this too. Both and there's like this staticness about minions, like you were saying. You know, we mm-hmm. see evolution happen around them, but they don't evolve.
0: Well, at once is like totally like about the history of the earth, but also the minions are so like ahistorical.
1: It's like Forrest Gump that's what the movie is basically yeah
0: also like a common thing that people i guess it's not as common anymore because people don't talk about it, minions as much they're not like as much of like a frequent bother as they used to be but like the minions are these things that throughout history are supposed to be serving the most evil people yeah in the world but then the films never show anything like world war Two or, like, yeah, slavery that is or anything like that. They never really delve into those moments in history, but this is I, it's just, like, a very weird way that it talks about, like, the history of the Earth and the minions being on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, this whole idea of villainy is very, like... I mean, I guess Groot... Or is that... What's his name? Not Groot, is that... It's just Groot. Gru-, G-R-U. Gru, G-R-U. God, that's confusing. Groot and Gru, But Groot yeah. is a, like, you know, I don't know, classic, like almost silent movie idea of a villain with like the you know twirling his mustache a black bowler hat kind of
0: thing yeah just really big and bald and just like kind of hyper expressive
1: there's no horror or evil really in that world the only horror is like in the minions themselves not being able to move past this state do you see that i think we were talking about that with the boss baby i was also thinking about this like i was trying to find this and i swear to god i read it at some point when i was younger and really into comic books but i couldn't find what issue it was or something but i remember reading an x-men comic where the x-men got turned into babies and they still have the like mental capacity of their fully grown adult selves but they were like trapped in the form of babies and i just remember reading that as a kid and being like jesus like that would be so fucking terrifying and awful to have my brain now in a baby's body
0: we were talking about like babies and video games mm-hmm. and one thing that we I think you brought it up, was that there's this mod for Fallout 3. The opening of the game is an hour or a couple hours where you're playing as, like, a baby and then a kid growing up in this, like, vault, and then you leave, and that's kind of when the game starts, or at least the non-tutorialized part. But there's this mod where you just play as a baby the whole time. You're able to get out of the vault as a baby, and then you're walking around this irradiated wasteland uh, after babification.
1: That's, like, man, I don't know. That That's some spooky... I seeing Uh, a baby running around yeah and just like imagining being a baby in the apocalypse like trying to crawl around Mm -hmm. a radiated wasteland trying to survive
0: on this list also this is like this top 10 babies in video games list another another one you got to include is bonk from bonk's adventure um and everything and that's where you're just like a baby but in prehistoric times and you have a really really hard head so you're just bonking. Bonk. Yeah, bonk. I guess that, that has come back. There's like that meme of the emoji head getting hit with a hammer. Mm-hmm. Bonk. Actually, last night at a Friendsgiving, they were watching Midsommar. Uh, at one point, there's a spoilers for like an hour into this two and a half hour long movie. But somebody's head gets hit with a hammer and somebody in this big group just said bonk.
1: <laughs>
0: and it was actually pretty funny <laughs>
1: <laughs> but on the note of like babies as somehow horrific or like evil or villainous you know i think there's something very particular to like animation and like you know the boss baby is this totally like constructed drawn fake thing like mm-hmm animation is just like totally completely subject to the whims of its creators i mean it reminds me of the classic looney tunes short Duckamuck, where
0: uh where, what daffy duck it's daffy right Not yeah Donald. it's daffy du- uh, yeah Good. daffy duck yeah i got yeah my... i was like
1: pausing for a second because i was having the same issue
0: yeah i got my um... media corporation straight in <laughs> my head but it's like a very active conversation between Daffy Duck and the animator who's animating the scene and actions and everything and drawing the body and the actions and writing the lines of dialogue and everything for Daffy.
1: I think that when you're watching something that's animated, like there's always maybe a little bit of an awareness of... of just how fixed it is almost like sometimes I find myself even getting a little bit claustrophobic watching animated movies because I'm just aware of how fake it all is and how it's just a total construction. And so there's something that goes along with that. I feel like in being trapped in a state of babiness um, and the horror of permanent baby dumb. And I was thinking about the early Pixar short film tin toy Mm Mm-hmm which was a kind of a predecessor to Toy Story and one of their first...
0: It was like kind of a, a bit of a tech demo. Not in a dismissive way that some people talk about movies like Avatar or like first games for a new generation of hardware specs and everything being tech demos to really flex the hardware. But I mean, it was kind of one of their first things they were using to show off what they're able to do, trying to get funding.
1: Right, literally a like proof of concept kind of thing. So, you know, it's like this little toy one-man band guy um, who is being terrorized by a baby who just wants to put everything in his mouth and mm-hmm. so you are in aligned with the perspective of the toy and the baby is just overwhelming and huge and monstrous both just because of the plot of the short but also just because of the You know, I don't mean this in a, like, pejorative, but just because of the crudeness of the animation of that Mm -hmm. time and they were not able to fully render a a convincing human and despite all their best efforts, it the baby just looked like an old man. The baby just ends up, the animated baby, or at least the CGI baby, is suited to that role of, like, villainy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, It reminded me that... Well, it reminds me of a couple things. One being... You talked about, I think uh, on the last episode or two ago, but you were talking about Gertie the dinosaur and the dinosaur being this thing that is kind of a frequent kind of like every yes. once in a while it's an, it comes back as a benchmark for how convincing is our technology in filmmaking Um, and dinosaurs coming back for, like, the film dinosaur. Babies are also one of those things, I think, um, that kind of come back every once in a while with a new wave of technology to to show how, you know, emotive and, and convincing it is.
1: There's both, there's this contradiction, I feel like, to the cinematic depiction of both of them, because, like you were saying, you know, dinosaurs are used to show, to make us believe in new technology, but none of us really actually know what dinosaurs literally looked like. It's all just sort of an imagination based on scientific prediction, based on bones and things like that, and the evidence that we found. You know, every depiction we've seen of a dinosaur in a movie is just like, that's it. That's our idea of the dinosaur. So it's something that we think we know, and it's this litmus test for reality, but it's not something we know at all. And a little bit similarly, the baby is like, in addition to, I guess, puberty and old age, when you're a baby, that's the period of time when change and the change that is constantly happening in our bodies but we don't really think about that often because we mostly day-to-day kind of stay the same you know we all we look at a baby and we know that it's going to change and that it's going to grow we're so aware of that growth but by depicting it in film it's static and it's and it's stuck forever uh in that state that's not supposed to be static in that state of just constant becoming <clears throat> and like i feel like a good example is, of this is the Zack snyder remake of dawn of the dead there's a scene in that movie where i think it's Mackay fife and i don't remember who plays his wife in that movie but he's married to a woman and she's pregnant and um, she gets bitten by a zombie and he's trying to hide it from everyone because he wants to wants her to have the baby first and she ends up turning before she's able to have the baby and then she secretly gives birth to the baby and it's this zombie baby and that's just this like a, a central contradiction because zombies are like trapped in this in-between state between life and death where they somehow fuse together in one body, life and death. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, decay is supposed to eventually kind of end, but the zombie's decaying forever. And the baby is growing, and it's supposed to change at some point and become, you know, a human adult. But it's just stuck, like, in between the time where we're most aware of life and it's dead too at the same time. And so it kind of brings to mind, I don't know, this is maybe a morbid thought, but when you do look at a baby, I do think in some way, maybe on some unconscious level, you are thinking about death because you are so reminded of life mm-hmm. and of how life changes that it inevitably reminds you of physical decay.
0: I mostly, uh, whenever I see babies, I maybe don't think of, of death as much as I do just like, fragility like for the same reason that i can't watch like fail compilations Mm -hmm. or anything like that because they're a little bit like too effective on me where i will see like somebody like get their head smacked as they're standing up on a four-wheeler or something like that and the video cuts off like before their body lands and i just always like like i cannot stand to watch more than like a minute of one of those because they're usually always like very like morbid leaning (laughs) Mm -hmm. one thing though about tin toy and i guess like babies and animation um, similar to dinosaurs where there's no real like one way that we know for a fact a dinosaur is. I know there's a long history of human babies and everything like that. But there's also whenever uh, someone is a baby, kind of a characteristic of being a baby is uh, behaving like probably more uncannily than, than most like regular adults are just because you don't really have a standard for human behavior. Um, you're still very much just kind of absorbing everything and learning what is normal Um, And your brain is still growing and and gaining all these different functions and and systems and processes. So there's no real like one believable way to animate a baby. I know there's you could look at like a poorly animated baby and say, well, that's just maybe poor animation. But there's no real one way that that babies behave. Um, And I think that maybe early, more crude animation or more coarse animation is a, a good. I don't think it's like a total mismatch to have a baby animated that way and and kind of behaving a little bit robotic but also i think that kind of suits it for a more villainous role in tin toy because it does seem a little more dastardly whenever you look at like the baby in tin toy and compare it to something like baby yoda or the boss baby there's a very Mm -hmm. clear distinction in just how people in general animate computer assets um, and, and design them around different kind of ideas of cuteness that i've developed since since people have begun animating on computers mm-hmm. it kind of like looks like mashed potatoes a little bit the baby in tin toy
1: yeah i mean i guess the thing about tin toy is that it it brings out a similar thing to like chucky or something where i mean it's like the classic subgenre of horror movies about the anxiety of expectant parents rosemary's baby and eraserhead and um the omen and There's literally a horror movie called The Baby uh, from the 70s, too. But, you know, just of, like, the unknown of Mm -hmm. birth. And I guess this fear of, like, you invite this thing into your life that is maybe really cute, but you don't really know what it's going to be. You don't really know how it's going to turn out when it's older. So I think almost every cute thing a little bit has that, like, kind of latent repressed horror, like even Baby Yoda.
0: Well, you know what Baby Yoda looks like. Like at nine hundred years old, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know that he would be a fucking sword master who would kick your ass. Mm. I think that just Tintoy like makes that sort of bald faced and like plain like brings out that horror instead of keeping it
0: repressed. Mm-hmm. There's also this like in in looking at maybe the way that coarser animation suits things for like slightly off human and inhuman. Um, reminds me of how in the seventh generation of like video game consoles or even before then, there's this huge amount of like zombies in video games. Yeah. And like, I don't know, the Nazi zombies in Call of Duty World at War, um, Bioshock wasn't zombies, but they're these people who have had their neural pathways rewritten by this drug and the society's collapse now because everybody has been so altered and become very violent and irrational because of this drug in Bioshock but there are lots of games with enemies that are these irrationally behaving human forms and a lot of that was kind of influenced by a couple of things part of it being you know more more gritty desaturated war on terror era like aesthetics that's kind of spread throughout a lot of media but also then kind of hiding those technical limitations it's the same way that like in the 7th generation of consoles there were so many open world games that were really depopulated and also a lot of post apocalyptic games to give a narrative justification for that depopulation and kind of infrequency that that humans are are living places whenever you do find humans a lot of times they are these irrationally behaving more mm. coarsely animated humans cuz that's maybe a little bit easier to put on a production pipeline than somehow empathetically animating a human character
1: Yeah, I guess that does it is sort of what it comes down to is like empathy versus I don't know what the verses would be, but just like... Well, I guess
0: like with zombies and stuff like that, the common thought is like they're apathetic.
1: Yeah, I guess, and I guess it's a, like almost a sort of Turing test of animation where it's like if the technology is advanced enough to manipulate and engender an emotional response in the viewer, yeah. then like that is what you're going to go for. But if the technology can't do that, then you have to lean into the
0: uncanniness Yeah.
1: And into the fear factor. You've
0: started to see some of that with like the last couple years in in video games and how they render human beings. I mean, like Death Stranding being this thing where you have human actors in a game with like full motion capture, Mm -hmm. you know, in 4K and everything. Humans have, and real life stars have been in games for a very long time. But I mean, you just kind of see like maybe newer runs at this every once in a while just to say, we're going to make a Hollywood game now. But also, another one is like Detroit Become Human, the David Cage game, or directed, I guess it's from Quantic Dream, is his studio, but the most recent one um, with a lot of actors in it as well. Uh, but the game's about, you know, Detroit in the future where everyone has androids and kind of about you playing multiple characters and viewing the line between human and android be drawn in a mm-hmm. pretty literal allegory to racial struggle around the civil rights movement in America. The menu for the game is this AI assistant. It's like a regular game menu, but you have this really zoomed-in shot of an AI assistant talking to you over the course of multiple play sessions. Whenever you start up the game and navigate the menu, it'll like ask you questions sometimes and quiz you. Eventually, the game has started to suggest... I'm, I'm kind of playing it with a friend over a longer period of time right now, so very early to maybe middle of the game um but it's already started to like have this human looking character who's at the menu who functionally serves no real purpose just because you have all the buttons you need to press to get to the game and everything Mm -hmm. but it started to ask questions that hint at at the fact that it has like independent thought and it seems to be leading up to the point that maybe you'll be confronted with like this ai assistant asking for liberation from serving you as the menu screen person it's a literal like digital construction asking to be respected in this way i mean it's it's a david cage thing so it's it's really like writing too big of a check and absolutely like kind of whiffing not absolutely but i mean just pretty clearly like missing a lot of the subtext in the creation
1: it just it just sounds like dobby yeah from harry potter basically When you when you put it like that. But I mean, Dobby is also though this like animated character. And so it just goes back to that duck amuck thing where it's like all animated characters. I guess maybe what my discomfort is is that all animated characters are ultimately just like fully subservient to their creators. And I don't know, I guess this maybe blends into some like weird cyborg AI rights territory. But it's like these things are produced to create this emotional response in us. And I don't know. I guess I just wonder like what the, as technology develops further and further and like, as more lines get shaded, I mean, to bring it back to star Wars, you know, the flip side of baby Yoda is like the de-aging kind of of Carrie Fisher or peter cushing so it just is like you know as animation the lines between animation and the actual capture of reality are broken down more and more it's like what's what's the ethical responsibility there i don't know
0: but i mean it's funny though that star wars is kind of de-aging its own character but then also preserving one of its characters in perpetuity even after the actor has passed on but not in rescreening old images, but in creating new ones.
1: I mean, it's just like the old idea from my good buddy Andre Bizan about just like cinema as a type of death mask, basically. And as a sort of like funereal ritual artifact preserving how someone looked in their life beyond that moment.
0: Well, I mean, it's like uh, in a lot of like film and photography theory you have people discussing like what roles the subject plays of of the image that you're capturing and usually it comes down to like four where it's kind of the anonymous individual it is someone who's like working to give to contribute to like the photographer's work they're also like contributing to their own catalog of work as a subject especially in film as a star but also i mean they're someone who's being captured forever, um and, and they're kind of just like an object of an image. In this uh this book, The Animatic Apparatus by Deborah Levitt, uh she writes a good bit kind of about that in relation to Fellini's movie, uh Intervista from nineteen eighty seven, in which two actors that starred in his film La Dolce Vita are in this movie as stars, fictional and also well, I mean they star in the film, but in the film they also play movie stars who mm-hmm. were in a film together in the past. And the clip that they rewatch from this old film in the new one is actually the same clip from La Dolce Vita where the two actors uh, in this film are watching something that they did together a long time ago while also being characters watching something the characters did a long time ago. And so it's just kind of this multiplication of, of selves across like just a film strip. and And it takes that kind of more... Preservationist, but also lethal potential of, I guess, captured images and moving images. Um, it takes that to maybe a logical extent.
1: I mean, the thing is, it's like cinema is basically just being trapped in a baby's body forever. And I think so much of the uncanniness of, like, around digital cinema and digital technology is the fact that even if it was still this, the the image of a person after their demise like i mean you watch it's it's pretty much impossible i think for almost anybody to watch a lot of silent films now and not think like everybody involved in this movie is probably dead
0: it's interesting though whenever you think about the way maybe this occurs at once like much more widely distributed and frequent but at a much smaller scale as media creation and publishing tools have kind of democratized a bit not just in Mm -hmm. people having like youtube channels that they had when they were a kid and having like embarrassing YouTube videos that preserve a self that they are not anymore. Uh, But also, I mean, you have like a, like a new genre of Twitter being people going back and finding like celebrities tweets from 10 years ago when Twitter use was so different. Yeah. And that being like a frequent thing, or even, I mean, you have people who people find out in the past, like you tweeted some pretty like harmful stuff, offensive stuff. I don't know. Just tweeting. stuff.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Like James Gunn. (laughs) Exactly. Um, but, but it's also that feels related to you, like profiles, people's profiles persisting after their deaths. So you have this just unintentional accidental record of a person's life in the same way that somebody playing a role in a movie accidentally captures a, a part of their life at that time. So, and I think a lot of the, the discomfort and uncanniness now is that past images, even if they are ghosts in some way, like the film print still decays and so that person will deteriorate and vanish at at some point unless somebody intervenes and preserves that but But even then
0: i mean digital files decay if you don't like update a hard drive storage location yeah or if you don't even plug in the hard drive and you just let it sit for a very long time that still decays
1: i don't know i guess it's just the discomfort is this like delayed decay that's harder to see and that yeah
0: it's Like an exponentially longer half-life now.
1: Yeah, it's like it's you're not aware of it until the thing is totally inaccessible. The quality doesn't really diminish until it's just gone. It's just one day. It's just the record is bit gone. Yeah, or you can't access it anymore. But also,
0: I mean, there's like beyond people featured in in these images, but also a lot of movies as film as a medium has has aged. You have a lot more films acting as like indexical documents of like the cities they were filmed in, you know, featuring buildings that aren't there anymore.
1: This is such a dumb example, but I think it's like RoboCop 3 that was filmed in Atlanta right before they demolished a bunch of stuff to build new stadiums and whatnot for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. So RoboCop 3 is like the last time that a lot of those spaces and buildings in Atlanta were ever captured in any kind of
0: way. Yeah. There's also another thing I totally forgot about until you said something a couple minutes ago, but now that I mean, people have been using social media long enough to have like people kind of like mourning collectively, like mourning death on social media as a more frequent practice. Like a couple of years ago, Facebook had a feature that would allow people to dictate a profile as a deceased person. If they If they died, people could say that this person's no longer with us. And then, I mean, it becomes more of a memorial at that point. But one thing that happened is that they something happened with the way they dictated the profiles that were deceased and not. So you had a lot of living people whose profiles had like a flower and said this person is dead. And my profile was one of them. So I looked at my Facebook profile and it like said that I was dead. And so then I was like seeing the self that people would see after i died a little i mean it's still like all very current information and pictures and posts and stuff but this is like the way the archive of me as preserved by facebook will be viewed by somebody in the future
1: i know it's like i guess going to your own funeral or something but it's also just i guess the strange thing then is like seeing this is what it would look like if i died right now like no
0: nothing well that's always kind of like a recurring a recurring bit in, like, comedies that involve a character death as, like, an animating force in the plot yeah. is always, like, characters going around and seeing how people react to this information. Or I guess, like, something like, geez, I can't think of the name of this thing now. The, the story with Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge.
1: Oh, Christmas Carol.
0: Exactly. I can't remember. I couldn't remember it. Yeah, but going around and, like, seeing how people talk about you as a fly on the wall, but also, you know... I guess that one doesn't involve death as, like, the the thing that allows them to see all this, but that same kind of, like, fantasy of being able to float as a ghost.
1: Which I guess is almost, like, that out-of-body thing is almost, like, maybe akin to, like, the self-identification of I am baby, just, like, stepping outside of your body and your responsibilities and everything you're expected to do as, a, like, contributing human to society and then just, like... Well, yeah, I don't know looking in on that.
0: I think it's like a bad metaphor in viewing like our relationship to technology. But I mean, the I am baby thing being a way of literally just pulling a single plug out of all responsibility and like obligations Mm -hmm. to the world, just unplugging, not in terms of putting your phone down, but just like detaching yourself totally.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it makes it very clear that maybe this is the metaphor in the new Chucky movie, but it's a similar, I think, thing to like the horror movie subgenre about parental anxiety, making some unknown thing a really intimate part of your life is like, there's maybe a similar anxiety sometimes when you start to think about it too much with phones or something like that, like letting this thing be too close to you and getting too attached to it. But maybe to like, to uh, start wrapping it up a closing note to arrive on when baby Yoda was at its height a few days ago, I was reminded of a tweet that I made a couple months ago where the caption was just buff Yoda because I was just like one day compelled to Google buff Yoda. And I found all these like deviant art drawings of buff Yoda. Like, I mean, some of them were like obviously more ironic or joking things where it's like Yoda with tattoos of like saying I lift and shit like that or like yoda with weights but then there were ones that were like more seemed a little more
0: horny it was funny because after we started talking about buff yoda at my job somebody just like showed me a drawing that they made an original drawing of buff yoda
1: it's just like everybody wants yoda to be buff it's the like i think this the hidden desire and it's just very interesting in yoda it's like this dichotomy to me of or binary of Buff Yoda versus Baby Yoda.
0: Well, I guess the thing with Yoda is that he's like seen as someone who's like not a very capable warrior because of his like size and age. Yeah. And everything. But mentally, he, I guess, is always portrayed as this like master. And you never really get to see like Yoda fighting until the prequel movies, I guess. Yeah, until Attack of the Clones. But I guess Buff Yoda just seems like this kind of like reversal of that scale. Maybe not being like a totally incapable knowledgeable person Mm -hmm. but somebody who's like very much more matches the the image of the physical warrior that people think of with like a big buff soldier or something
1: well it's also it's like one version the de-aged miniaturized yoda is what disney gives us and it's the funko pop and it's the corporate merchandised commodity but the buff yoda is the unsanctioned fan creation and it's the like secret desire of the fans that
0: to have a buff Yoda.
1: I, I, I don't know what it is exactly, but there's just like some to me some kind of relationship between this like the control of animation and like mm-hmm. turning Yoda into some into like buff Yoda. like it's just I guess yeah. there's I don't know maybe this to me there's like always maybe some weird s- sexual underlying element to animation where it like gives you that ability to to control and like act out your fantasies fully so yeah buff yoda is maybe too dangerous for disney because it makes that too clear because it's like really drawing that out
0: Mm -hmm. it's funny though that yoda was such a heavily like controlled and like quarantined like ip like you cannot touch yoda or anything like that do you remember when the new ea battlefront 2 game came out and people like were just kind of really mad about it And it did not sell very well. So part of that was because like this was when Disney was trying to establish Star Wars as a new thing again. So EA won this bidding war to make all the video games for Star Wars. And they've released like two or three or something like that because so many of them get canned because they try to make them very big microtransaction economies. Mm -hmm. And Battlefront 2 leaned very heavily on microtransactions, and and that's why people were very upset about the game because they were like, oh, to unlock all this content without paying any money, I have to play for like 80 hours or something like that um, to unlock like Darth Vader, but I could pay money and very easily get it, and it just makes it where it's very easy to win. The reason that they ended up using microtransaction as this like aftermarket value kind of drive was because, or I guess... Not microtransactions in general, but microtransaction items that give you an advantage in the game and make it easier to win by paying money. It ended up being the reason the game didn't sell well, but they had to do that because the other options for making aftermarket sales in video games are either season passes and extended content that you have to pay for, like story or or maps or something like that. Or the other option being like visual customization, like being able to change the color of your lightsaber, um, being able to make like Obi-Wan Kenobi dress in like all pink. And apparently Disney was very controlling over the image of the Star Wars stuff and everything. So like you can't customize characters and muddy what people think of them. So the only option they had left was making people pay to be better at the game. But since you couldn't do that, like you couldn't have like a, a cool tattooed Yoda skin or anything like that, you couldn't have a sexy Yoda <laughs> yoda in a dress or anything like that
1: to me like i think about i mean yeah you say yoda in a dress and i think about like the cartoonist r crumb saying that his like first sexual desire like feeling of sexual desire was seeing like bugs bunny in a dress in looney tunes
0: well it's funny because now a lot of people talk about like lola bunny from space jam being this very like sexual awakening type of character in a cartoon
1: yeah and you know i guess it's all connected to hentai and just like the internet being horny and then making jokes and bits about horniness and you the line between the bit and reality is blurred but it's just like every animated character is, is like subject to this buffification it seems like or this like sexualization uh almost like i mean you know minions very perfect example
0: Yeah, I guess, like, one of, like, the early things people, like, learn about the internet is, like, what is it, like, rule 34, whatever that thing is on, like, that, like, Reddit ass, like, rules of the internet list, it's, like, if it exists, there's, like, fan-drawn porn of it or something.
1: Right. And I think even just beyond that, like, there's just a meme interest in, like, Yoda behaving badly. Like, when I was... Tweeting about Buff Yoda, some uh, one of my mutuals pointed me towards this like early, I guess it was sort of like a lime wire audio meme. Where it was like Yoda behind the scenes and it was somebody doing a Yoda impression and it starts just with oh, like geez. dialogue from the movie and then he starts saying all these like offensive things and it's supposed to be like Yoda drunk or Yoda stoned. And I mean you look up Stoner Yoda and like it I mean it makes sense like you know the way he talks and shit that like people are like, Oh, he says Stoner King, but there's just like all these just photoshopped pictures of Yoda with red eyes, like yeah with massive doobie
0: One time I went on Google and I looked up Grateful Dead Star Wars. Oh my god. And you find like so many images of Yoda.
1: Jerry is Yoda.
0: Yeah, just all these crossovers that make sense with a more like stoner leaning group of people.
1: But I think ultimately which what it brings it back to is like, A, Yoda being this like wise character and just people, I guess, want to subvert that in some way. But also I think you hit the nail on the head like bringing it back to the ip control because it's just like the more that they try to control yoda the more they try to make yoda a baby the more people just want to make yoda buff like the more intensely you try to clean up the image and sterilize it and keep it under wraps which then is ultimately just like trying to really like regulate the commodity of it like keep it a product yeah. and not a thing that people interact with and engage and make their own in some way it's just the more you do that, the more I think it leads to buff Yoda. Like it just people yeah. want the desire more. They just have it. They feel it more intensely the more you try to control
0: mm-hmm. it. I uh, I guess maybe an end note for this would be. So while, uh, you know, the Internet was just while baby Yoda was going viral over at Fanbite Cameron Kunzelman uh, wrote this this essay about why there's like where's the video game version of a <laughs> baby Yoda? Just like a very intensely. Yeah cute thing. And basically the argument he lays out is that video games kind of inherently can't have something this like intense like with this intense manufactured but totally authentically felt cuteness. An example is like in Death Stranding you have this baby attached to you at all times. But the reason this baby is attached to you this kind of is actually like the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. Zombie baby is this baby is like born to like a dead mother or something. It's like very very, kind of fucked up. But born to a dead mother so it's connected to this dead world that norman reedus is not able to see but the enemies are like in this like overlapping dead world so you need this baby to be able to see the invisible enemies Mm -hmm. to norman reedus's eyes so it's this like functional tool and so what in this specific example cameron come kunzelman kind of talks about is how this baby though being this cute thing um is also something that is conflated with a powerful tool and that kind of dilutes this, something like a, a baby Yoda being this thing you don't ever actually interact with, you don't rely on, and you're not responsible for in any way. The fact that video games are this thing that you, not that they're more or less interactive than something like a movie mm-hmm. where you're not pressing buttons, it relies on input to be pieced together. And so because of that, I mean, most of the time you have this very functional relationship With something, no matter how cute or helpless or any way that is supposed to draw an emotion out of you, you have a functional relationship in addition to a visual and an emotional one. And it reminded me a little bit of like how I guess the difference between like my relationship with my brother's really, really young kid and his relationship with that kid, because mine is like I don't have to change the diapers or feed (laughs) or bathe or do any of the kind of responsible things for keeping a human alive, but I just kind of get to be around for just like hanging out and having fun, you know? And so that difference in like functional relationship does lead to also a a difference in that emotional one that kind of means that video games can't really have something like this intensely and immediately emotional.
1: It's very odd how games, video games are games and they're rooted in play, but it's this like dichotomy of toy versus tool, almost Mm -hmm. of like the i guess the purpose of doing it like does it result in i don't know does it have a a, a clear end goal a purpose and achievement that it is supposed to to do and i guess that's the the difference there
0: i mean like there are some like there are games with very like kind of cute aesthetics that draw really intense reactions mm-hmm. like people love animal crossing pokemon is one that kind of comes to mind but also is one that i mean you are also like battling or trying to capture There's always it feels as though an ulterior motive to just the kind of fawning over a Pokemon that is cute or thinking one looks really cool or something like that. And so that kind of functional relationship does also muddy it a little bit or like watching them die in battle over and over again Mm -hmm. or being kind of disappointed in one because it didn't perform as well as you thought it would or something but also i mean that functional bond over the course of pokemon jrpgs traditionally that very functional and very like formal relationship you develop with a fictional character made out of pixels or made out of shapes and and polygons and everything can over the course of a very long game like a jrpg can give you different relationships with with those characters in a story, but it, it doesn't bring about that immediate evocation like a baby Yoda or, or a minion or something like that, or an emoji.
1: It's, uh, I think detective Pikachu is like a little related. I don't know. Just like detective Pikachu being this fuzzy, cuddly, cute thing, but also voiced <laughs> by Deadpool. Like it goes back to, I guess, kids, you know, kids saying cuss words,
0: yeah, well, Baby, or not Baby, Detective Pikachu, like, drinks coffee and everything. Yeah, he
1: fucking loves coffee.
0: Yeah, he's, like, making wise cracks. He goes to, like, CD underground Pokemon fights where Diplo is a DJ.
1: I, I hate that I thought of this, but I was also just thinking of in the movie Her, like, the video game that Joaquin Phoenix plays in that movie, which is some kind of open oh, yeah. world thing where there's this little cute little fuck. avatar dude like who just swears at you who's voiced by spike jones and like says all these terrible things i don't know there's Sorry. always this like I don't i'm know, trying it's okay. to think of
0: the person who made that david o'reilly i forgot his name but oh, he's yeah, the guy yeah. that made like mountain and everything and now he kind of makes like instagram augmented reality filters mm-hmm. of like a baby in a stomach with your face on it looking at a phone screen what the fuck and then it like spins out to the whole world surface being covered in your face. But anyway, he also made this game called Everything that just has like David Watts philosophy tapes playing over you just controlling different objects on the earth. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but he made the game in her where the little thing like curses at you and like a little pipsqueak voice, you know?
1: Yeah, and I guess it's just kind of the same thing. It's like wherever there is something childlike and innocent, there's a wish to defile it and wherever there is a baby yoda there's also a need for a buff yoda all things are balanced like the force
0: you could probably make one of these but i just had a really bad mental image of like one of those like a country boy will survive memes but it's like a buff yoda
1: (laughs) please make that please i will hit the retweets so hard
0: it could be a cover image for this
1: i think on maybe on that note we should put baby yoda to bed Oh, yeah. it's past his bedtime, I think.
0: Yeah, back in the cradle.
1: He's 50 years old, but he still has a strict curfew. Any last, do you have any last thoughts on Baby Yoda versus Buff Yoda?
0: Not really. I like feel like I should watch The Mandalorian. To I just don't have any thoughts. I don't think I should watch it just to, to yeah. watch it, but I feel like to develop more thoughts on Baby Yoda, I feel like I might need to.
1: Yeah, I mean, as somebody who... Because I
0: still don't actually understand, like, how it happens in the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel that.
0: I've seen so many people be like, is this from, like, a TV show? Like, what is this from? This is just, this baby Yoda is just everywhere, and I don't actually understand it.
1: I mean, as somebody who really loved Star Wars at one time, I'm still, like, a little curious about it. Especially, it's just such a sharp reversal from George's position.
0: And even, like, Disney's position of IP control.
1: To... I think to conclude this episode, I'm going to have to, instead of a song playing us out like the first two episodes, I think I'm just going to put in the full amazing audio of the legendary unaired master P and George Lucas interview on MTV where master P calls George Lucas, John Lucas, and then asks him if he smokes weed because Yoda's green and talks funny. And George is like, Nope, absolutely. Nope. Never. Hmm green mm-hmm. i don't know what that is
0: toeing the company line
1: exactly those walt is you know he may be in the cryo chamber but he was he not was on
0: forever in our streaming box
1: <laughs> well i guess on that note
0: so i guess we'll have another episode in next month in
1: the month of december our theme park yeah. cinema will be coming soon i also think before i don't know maybe too ambitious but before the end of the year i'm also interested in doing this jack ryan episode
0: i've only seen uh i've seen like some of the 90s clancy yeah. stuff but i have seen jack reacher
1: and you've played splinter cell yeah you know and you've seen the office <laughs> jim halpert baby uh yep. nuclear venezuela
0: yeah yep. looking at the camera uh
1: you know i think that we were as we were talking about recently you know i think we want to kick off 2020 with some decade coverage yeah
0: everybody's talking about that decade no one can stop so we figured we'd just jump in but also i guess both of us have just been kind of weary of the end of the decade lists that are like from a big list of writers and try to present the decade objectively
1: yeah i hope we can get into some maybe forgotten nooks and crannies of the last decade because i do feel like there's been a lot of stuff that's been forgotten Mm -hmm. already
0: yeah well i guess that that's the end so
1: that's the end uh i think also soon i want to get this hot our hotbox hotline
0: i could probably figure that out
1: but in the meantime if you have any comments or questions or you just want to drop us a line you can find me on twitter at trillmore girls
0: uh and then i'm on there at asap sunscreen
1: and some point soon we'll probably have a hotbox twitter too whoa we'll get it going we'll get this shit right we'll do it professional
0: All in one spot. Alright. Well well until then,
1: keep on talking, everybody.
2: It's Master Ping and I'm about to go find out the dark side to Mr. John Lucas. So how do you come up with all these different stories? Is it just in your head that you just constantly keep yeah, creating these characters and create I mean it's the same. Some, somebody told me you already have five episodes already done already. Well, I've got
1: one more to write, and all of these were written 30 years ago. So I had the stories and everything all laid out
2: 30 years ago. So you're a genius. That's what you tell no, me. No, So, no, so no, what I, I got to do it. to get you to fit me in those 30 years some kind of way? Well, we'll I'm gonna keep. I'm telling you, I'm gonna keep calling. Okay. Look, look at my sword thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> go to sword school. Oh, Jedi school. I'm from the hood, George.
0: But we have a really nice recording studio that. Uh, Everybody under the sun is used at one point or another.
2: So maybe you'll have me come in here sure. with no limit and do some yeah. some music for the next Star Wars, you know what I'm saying? Have <laughs> have Yoda dancing on there, getting down. Right. You know what I'm saying? Another thing I wanted to find out, you know with Yoda, was he was he high or something? On this one? Yeah. No, no. Because he talked slow. Well, he talks
1: slow in all the movies. It's just, you know, people don't realize how... The people from
2: MTV, all the viewers out there was like, man, you know, what kind of herb was Yoda smoking? I'm like, (laughs) I don't think George did nothing like that to him, but he he just, that's the way he talks. Yeah, if
0: you hear hear him
1: in
2: Empire Strikes Back and, you know, he he talks, you know, he's old. He's 800 800 years old. Frank Oz. Is he that small? Yo, George, I got one more thing to say. I got one more thing to say, you What could that be? Made the force be with you. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah.
3: No. Yeah. No. Yeah. The force is no. everything. It surrounds yeah. us. Brings no. us together. Yeah. It's in the rock. Nope. The car? Yep. Yeah. Your motor on the subway. No. That nice hoochie's yeah. ass and those tight no. leather pants. Yep. Yeah. The kind you just want to smack no. and go, out, yeah. BITCH! <clears throat> sorry. No. Was I out of yeah. character, George? <laughs> no. Sorry, I messed up. Yep. Yeah. Nope. Yep. Yeah. Star Wars? Nope. Yoda, yep. Yeah. Star Wars, 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 nope. Yoda, yep. Ever told on a nigga? no nope. Ever squeezed yeah. yeah. a trigger? Yep. Yeah. Ever told on a nigga? no nope. yeah. Ever squeezed the trigger? Ever toad on a nigga? No. Nope. Ever squeezed a trigger? Yeah. Ever set a nigga up? No. Nope. Ever helped a brother out when he was down on his street? Yeah. You a sap? No. Nope. You a boss player, you a Mac? Yeah. Let me hold a couple dollars. No. Nope. Y'all still be popping y'all collars? Yeah. Stock rims on the scrape. No. Nope. Paint wetter than a lake. Yeah. Poodle in my blood. No. Nope. Rich? I'm a thug. You clean it in a bar dove soap? Yep. Yeah. Got a little Gouda? Nope. Got a thumper, got a Ruga? Yep. You in love with the house? Nope. She bringing you the dope? Yep. You gon' cry if she leave? Nope. You gon' fly overseas? Yep. I choose to get money. I'm stuck to this bread. Everybody got choices. These bitches is choosing. I'm all in their head. Everybody got choices. Keep it one thousand the life that I chose. Everybody got choices. These niggas be hating. I already know, but I never go broke. No, no, no I'ma stay gettin' money, money. Yeah, yeah, and I ain't gotta sell my soul. No, no, I'ma no, stay gettin' money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you broke, you ain't like me. No, no, I'ma no, stay gettin' money. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. give a fuck if you don't like me. no, no I'ma stay gettin' money. Got dick that'll drive a hoe crazy. Yep. Yeah. Hater. Nope. Wanna see a player get paper. Yep. Yeah. Trader. Nope. Loyal to my soil, not a faker. Yep. Yeah. Sleep. Nope. Bless moves, hella active in the streets. Yep. Yeah. Scared of the dark. Nope. Half money, half heart. Yep. Yeah. Nork. Nope. Shark. Yep. Yeah. Gossip like a brawl. Nope. Check a bitch like a smog Yep. Yeah. Slippin'. Nope. Trippin' a No. Higher in a roller coaster? Yep. Yeah. Star Wars? No. Nope. Yoda? 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 Yep. Yeah. Star Wars?
4: No. You know everybody wanna that a yeah. uh. Star Wars? No. Nope. In like right? baby, yeah. on baby drop Remember Never you right? know, oh, nobody yeah, drop Let's go, Stop. ha I needed some shit with some bobbin. Let's it. go. I flew past the whip with that blunt, and my mom watched us And That whip had a cop in it. My bitch got good pussy, fly her across the country. I finished mm. the show and I mm. hop in it. Mm. I got me a milli, I did it legitly. I'm still with the shits I'm a hot nigga. Hot. Oh, you asking for pictures with niggas? Hot. What's your name? Get the fuck out the spot, nigga. The Trying Tryna figure which deal I'ma take. Uh-huh. I woke up, couple meals on my plate. Let's eat. I'm investing the real in real estate. Uh-huh. I just went and gave my mama a hundred. Uh-huh. Probably won't hear me open my mouth Bless you hear me talking about finding some money. Let's go. As soon as I that I flipped that. Flip. I'm a little bit different. They get it. They know i stiff on the bitches. She dig. Tryna find out why baby ain't all in the mentions. Uh. No, she ain't get no DM from me, bitch. This rich nigga dick ain't free. She be throwing that at yeah, She good at it. Turn around when we fuck. Make her look at it. Uh, she like, Ha I needed some shit with some boppin'. Let's it. go! I flew past the whip with that blunt And My mop watched swerving. That whip had a cop in it. Hey, my bitch got good pussy. Fly her across the country. I finished the show and I hop in it. Yeah. I got me a milli I did it legitly. I'm still with the shits. I'm a hot nigga. I'm unorthodox than a motherfucker. Hey, when you gonna switch the flow? I thought you never asked. Niggas ain't fucking with me and ain't bout what the fuck they be rapping bout with. They look scary ass. But to each his own, nigga. If you like it, I love it. No big, no fee. That boy say he get money. Oh, really? How much they just cut you a check for a million? I'm going back to cap. ¡Ahhh! 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 ¡Ahhh!